Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hi, and welcome back to the Soul Grid Podcast. This is Anne, and I'm here with Dr. Heather Gingridge. Hi, Heather. Hi. Nice to have you here today. I invited Heather today because as we've been in this series on trauma, we've been talking about different um, kind of some vocabulary, like what is trauma? What is window of tolerance? What is coping? Things like that. We've also talked through some treatments like EMDR and brain spotting. If you've missed some of those episodes, you might want to go back and listen to those as well. But the reason that I invited Heather here today is because I really think it's important for us to talk about trauma-informed care, not just in our medical field or in our counseling field, but also in the ministry. And Heather is a professor and an author, and she's going to tell us a little bit um, just about herself and about the work that she does. So Heather, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Um, I've been in the field of counseling for, oh, over 35 years now. I was the youngest in my graduating class in my <laughs> MA, um, but I stayed, stayed in the field. And fairly early on, I started to see trauma clients back before trauma was a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the, in the early 80s, child abuse wasn't even really talked about, right. let alone PTSD. Uh, but I had people coming into my office um, that had trauma histories and had to figure out how to deal with that. So um, over time, that became a specialty with dissociative disorders, mm. uh, and, you know, kind of multiple personalities being a subspecialty within that. Yeah. Uh, I've been a counselor educator for full time for a couple of decades now. I had been at Denver Seminary in their graduate counseling programs for 17 years and just moved to Northeast Georgia mm. of all places to teach in the new um, graduate school at Toccoa Falls College, Christian College in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in Georgia. I'm actually Canadian. So the fact that I'm living in the U.S. at all is, is still kind of a surprise uh, to me. My husband's Canadian as well, but, um, but here we are. There you are. So my interest in, in, well, I, I teach all kinds of courses, but, but really my passion is, is trauma, helping people heal and educating people about how to be helpful. Mm-hmm. So Heather, when you were working at Denver Seminary, did you get a chance to teach like MDiv students or uh, theology study students or, or was it more just the counseling students? It was more the counseling students. I would take a couple of classes in Mm -hmm. the pastoral counseling uh, course, but they didn't have opportunity for enough electives, you know, to to take courses on on trauma, for example, Mm -hmm. which is really unfortunate because trauma is everywhere and is certainly in our churches. And Mm -hmm. I think pastors often don't have enough background in Mm -hmm. counseling, period, let alone what to do with someone Mm -hmm. who 
who's been traumatized. Yeah. And that's something we talked about several times in our first season of the soul grit podcast that we value our pastors as frontline workers. Like our pastors are the first people that many of us go to when we're hurting or there's a crisis. And a lot of times in seminary or Bible college, there really isn't an opportunity for them to learn those kinds of skills because they have a lot of other stuff they have to learn. Right. (laughs) Be able to do that role. Mm -hmm. But I'm really passionate about uh, preparing pastors as well. You know, some of the the books that I've written have been, although they've been geared, you know, towards professional counselors, I've tried to write them in a way that that pastors or even um, lay people that are really involved in in helping can under can understand them and use some of the material. So I've done that quite intentionally because I think people at large, especially you know Christians, Christian helpers, and certainly pastors really need more education in this area. So I've written a few articles for Christianity Today and um, you know some other magazines specifically yeah. on trauma, uh, trauma-informed you know, mm-hmm. churches and have spoken mm-hmm. on that. So that is one of my areas of interest for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think that's actually how I found you because I was looking for who is a specialist in this area. And I found uh, one of your Christianity Today articles and I wrecked you down. (laughs) Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So what would you say are some of the things that pastors in particular, and I'm not speaking only to pastors, but I think there's a lot of pastors' wives that listen to the podcast, um, maybe maybe you're a head of a women's ministry or a children's ministry. Maybe you just uh, greet people on Sunday mornings. Maybe you host a small group in your home. There's a lot of other roles that we have where we have leadership in the church, maybe not just pastors, but uh, what do you think are some things that we need to be aware of as, as ministry leaders? Well, just uh, awareness that there are people that you're meeting every day that have been traumatized. You know, for example, the statistics just for sexual abuse alone uh, is one in four women and one in six men mm. over the course of their, their lifetime. And that's just sexual abuse. So you add to that physical abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse, spousal abuse, clergy abuse, um, physical abuse, then you can you know, only imagine um, how, how many people have been been traumatized, and that's not even talking about you know our vets and all the you know trauma that's part of, of being a, a, you know war trauma or natural disasters. Mm-hmm. You know, right now the hurricane is going through Florida, and you know a lot of those people who've you know lost their homes or lost their livelihoods or whatever are um, may end up experiencing trauma as a result of that not everyone will so I think uh, that's one of the key things is just to um, assume that there are people that you're interacting with that that have experienced trauma but they may not talk about it so you're not necessarily going to know that the person you're talking with has a trauma Mm -hmm. background whether that's uh, child trauma childhood trauma or or trauma as an adult so that's really important. And then um, understanding, too, that trauma is a subjective experience so that whatever someone has been through, 
they may or may not actually develop PTSD from it. You can't, right. yeah, so sometimes there are things that seem relatively minor that, that in the field we sometimes call small T traumas that you're thinking, well, it's not a big deal, but for that individual, it really is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And there are other kind of big T traumas, things that most of us would consider traumas that, that really some people are pretty resilient and are able to cope with pretty well. So that's, you know, that's another um, really important thing to be mm-hmm. aware of. But ultimately, it's both being aware that, that there are hurting people, traumatized people, everywhere and their churches are just as full of traumatized people right. as non-church people. Mm-hmm. The statistics show that. But then um, having knowledge of, well, what what do we do? You know, what trauma symptoms are, how it can be helpful. That's, that's really huge. Um, yeah. Above all else, not to do more harm. Right. Um, I have a story. Can I tell a story? I would love you to tell a story. <laughs> this is how... Um, th- this was my first a personal example as a young therapist of seeing a church really mishandle mm. trauma. Um, I was in a church. It was about you know several hundred people, a small enough church that people generally kind of knew each other. The pastors were amazing. Um, I worked with one of them, the senior pastor, really closely because I. I was in charge of a worship team at the time. So I had great respect for the for that pastor and the associate pastor. So this is what really surprised me when one Sunday morning after the service, um, they both pulled me aside into the hall, hallway to say, there's something I want to ask you about, get your opinion on, because your counseling background, which always, you know, red flag goes up for me. It's like, oh, oh what does, you know, What's coming? What does this mean? Yeah. And what they told me about is that that there um, was a family in the congregation where the young adult um, child of this couple had fairly recently accused her father of having sexually abused her for years during their childhood, mm. even though they were a church-going family and so yeah. on. And while very often, you know, an alleged perpetrator would deny that, he didn't. I mean, all the more power to him. He actually admitted it um, and said he was really sorry. Um, Mom had no idea that this was going on at all. Mm. Can, you know, you can only imagine, yeah. right? That learning that this man that you've been married to for decades, you know, a, a you know, sexually abused her daughter for years. Mm-hmm. So she was devastated. Um, they separated, um, you know, immediately. He actually had charges. He did some some prison time mm-hmm. um, because he was found he was found guilty. But the but the issue, so that was, you know, obviously really a difficult, difficult thing. But the issue the pastors brought me into the hallway about is saying let's call him Victor. Okay. Um, And instead, you know, Victor has admitted that he abused, you know, their daughter and he's, he's very repentant. You know, he, he admitted he did it. And we're really concerned that Rita, we'll call her Rita, the mother, you know, hasn't forgiven him. 
you know, she's not willing to get back together, you know, in their marriage. And, and we're kind of thinking he's been repentant. So now it's her turn to do what she needs to do. I was appalled, you know, because yeah. this, had, this had been just like a couple of months yeah, since, since the whole thing came out. And so I tried to nicely explain to them um, how devastating that kind of trauma is mm-hmm. and how, how forgiveness isn't just something you can snap your fingers and do. And in a case like this, as a process, you know, where mother, first of all, has to has to work with her own trauma, has to deal with all of those feelings, has to deal with her daughter who is, who, you know, has mental health issues and, you know, is, is not doing well. And, and while at some point, um, you know, I, I would hope that she would get to a point where she's not bitter, she's not hating him and that, that, that she comes to some point of forgiveness, that's not a process that that can be rushed and that she should not be judged for that. Mm-hmm. They, they listened to me, but I could tell they didn't really get it. No. The other thing they didn't get is um, before and after um, Victor went to prison, he was um, involved in children's ministry and they still allowed him to be involved oh my exactly and i'm like okay even if you are offering forgiveness there's a pedophile Mm -hmm. you know it's like being an alcoholic you don't put Mm -hmm. alcohol in front of an alcoholic even if they've been sober for five years right because it's always a potential temptation Mm -hmm. it's the same thing with a sexual you know someone who's a sexual predator or um you know, a pedophile, you just don't put children, you know, in front of a, a, a person, right. even, even if they have kind of done their time, even yeah. if they've been repentant, you just don't do that. So mm-hmm. those are, so I think about that situation mm-hmm. come back to mind, you know, numbers of times I was just young, I was young in the field, I was maybe in my early 30s, you know, and so um, I don't know how seriously they took me, even though I was right. teaching counseling at the time and so on but but that's that that's kind of the bad case scenario what we don't want to do to people right right to to really re-traumatize that mother again by putting expectations on her that aren't realistic and then saying she's sinning because she hasn't forgiven her her husband Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when her husband is the one that you know, did this heinous thing. Right. I see that come up a lot in my practice too, with infidelity, when there's a, yeah. a husband that has committed adultery and has repented and has come back, but the wife just can't get over it. And he can't understand why she can't get over it. And why doesn't she forgive and move on? Right. I just want to move on with my life. <laughs> and every time I have to say, because like her brain is stuck there. You've you traumatized her. She can't just move on. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And the church leaders don't help when they say, but marriage is, is a value that God had and we need to make sure we protect it at all costs. You know? Yes, absolutely. Pro marriage, pro family, pro child parent relationship, but there has to be some understanding around the healing process. Right. And I think that's huge that, yeah, the healing process, 
with the emphasis on both the healing, but also that the process, it can take time and you can't, and no, I'm not a counselor, not a pastor, not a friend or a family member can say how much time it should take for a particular individual to heal from a particular trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it, it requires what it requires. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a couple of scenarios here and maybe you can just weigh in on, on what you think a pastor could do. So uh, one of the things that has come up, and I think I talked about this on the podcast before, is that sometimes I will see a pastor call up someone for prayer, and particularly if it's a woman or a young person, it makes me uncomfortable when the pastor puts his hands on the person that he's praying for. And I understand we have a biblical laying on of hands kind of thing, but sometimes it looks like that person doesn't have the chance to tell you I'm uncomfortable with my, your hands on me. And that pastor has no knowledge of whether or not that person like touching is a no big deal or touching is like, now I'm in fight or flight and I'm in front of the whole congregation. (laughs) Have you seen that? Yeah, I think that's a very good point. And, and certainly, especially for anyone who's experienced either sexual abuse as a child or a sexual assault and and not just women because lots of men are sexually assaulted right. as well I mean, sometimes don't think about them they're, mm-hmm. they're more hidden um, victims in some ways and they're not often the ones that go to counselors right but they but they can still have some of the same post-traumatic reactions to to even something like the, like a touch on the on the shoulder mm-hmm. and touch that that they have not initiated or given explicit permission for and that's difficult because even if a pastor says is it okay if I put my hand on your shoulder mm-hmm. in the midst in you know in that moment the person may not feel like they have permission to say no right um, when I've, I've taught when I've taught students taught classes and I've been talking about sexual harassment um, I've talked about this, how sometimes people can ask permission, but how many women have have said yes when they didn't think no was permissible? Right. And a lot of the women in the class acknowledged that. I've been in that position myself yes. where, where I've thought, okay, well, I don't think this person means harm. And if I say no, then then they're going to think that I'm making a big deal of something that isn't. So I guess I should say yes, even though I'm uncomfortable. Right. And, you know, so that's a, a tricky situation. Yeah. Especially um, with, because there's that power differential when it comes to your pastor, there's a, like yes. you're the pastor is a person in charge on a Sunday morning and, and there's a spiritual authority every day of the week. And you feel like you want to honor that person. And of course they couldn't, yeah, they couldn't do anything wrong because they love Jesus. And that, so there's all those thoughts that go into your mind. You can't make um, an, a consensual decision when there's a difference in power like that. Right. So I, I think one way around that is to, is to give lots of permission for either answer, either a yes mm-hmm. or a no, that that can help. So rather than say, is it okay if I put my hand on your shoulder? If you even ask, because mm-hmm. often in these scenarios, there isn't even yeah. any permission asked for, it's just done. But to say, um, you know, I could either um, 
lay on hands, you know, touch your shoulder, or, or we could just put our hands towards you, which would you prefer? Yes. You know, and then the person doesn't have to feel awkward because they can either say, oh, that's fine. Laying on his hands is fine. Or they can just say, well, maybe if you just, you know, put your hands in, yeah. in my direction. Um, then, so then, give then them the choice. Yeah. And yeah, the, the person choice. in power can, can verbalize that choice for them first so that they know that either is okay. Right. And if they give both options, then they know, oh, okay. It is okay to say no. Yeah. Um, Good. I like that. Yeah. If you've listened to the Soul Grit podcast for even one episode, you know my guests and I believe that when we integrate the power of God with the wisdom of modern psychology, we get supercharged healing, change, and growth in counseling. As a Christian therapist, however, I realize that there are many practitioners out there who are personally Christians but don't know how to integrate their faith into their counseling practices. That's why I created the e-course, Faith Integration for Therapists. In this premium five-module course, therapists who love Jesus will learn everything from understanding their calling to marketing their practices to Christians to adapting evidence-based interventions to honor our faith. You can learn more about the online course at www.soulgritresources.com courses and send an email to info at soulgritresources.com to receive a discount code. Now, the other scenario that I would like to share, this has been shared with me by clients before that sometimes in a church setting, and this will probably depend on your faith tradition, but there are some pastors in particular that get really fired up when they're preaching and they're not necessarily yelling at everybody, but they are talking in a very loud, strong voice that can trigger some people if they've been verbally abused or they were in a chaotic or violent family environment, it can bring up, well, that's what my dad used to sound like. And then the belt always came out, you know, and it's very hard for people from that background to be able to sit in a church service where things are at that volume or that uh, intensity. What would you say to that? Uh, I mean, I think that's true. You know, if that's the, the preaching style of a particular church denomination, probably not going to change that. Mm-hmm. I guess that's where it comes down to, you know, if someone is bothered by that, that they need to choose a church where that's not kind of the, the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I think we do have some, we do have some options mm-hmm. in, in those ways. We know we can't kind of change an entire denomination or, um, you know, preaching style is that's a that's a tricky one but i think that someone you know like pastors can be aware of that you know they maybe have never thought of that yeah you know and, and some i think would be probably willing to mm-hmm. modify what they do mm-hmm. um, given this potential consequence that they had not even thought of before so certainly that's something to be aware of uh, but ultimately you know, it's kind of like, you know, kind of need to, to choose your, when something's big like that, like an overall style, Yeah. you know, then the former victim or, or the survivor needs to feel as though they have some permission to make choices that are good for them. Yeah. Choose a church with a more gentle style. Right. Okay. Good. 
Do you think of any other tricky areas that we should mention on the episode today? Well, there, you know, I was thinking about some of these things when I knew we were having the, the podcast. One is the assumption in some circles and more charismatic or Pentecostal circles that that the demonic might be involved if someone mm. ends up having a strong reaction to something. So I could think of clients, for example, where um, you know there there can be some triggering songs or triggering things coming from the pulpit that no one else might even think about. But for example, um, I haven't heard this chorus in a long time, but th- there used to be a, a, a chorus that I remember singing that that had as part of it, the words, bind me to the altar with the cords of your great love. Mm. Well, someone who has been literally bound and tortured, you know, singing just, even if they're not singing, hearing those words can be enough to send them into a flashback where they might have to go running Mm -hmm. out of the church Mm -hmm. um, or into the foyer, maybe obviously upset, in which case what sometimes happens is, concerned people run after them but then when they find out that this was upsetting you know if they don't know the person's history assume that somehow the demonic's involved mm-hmm. um, there, there could be many such triggers um you know there are courses even courses we all seem that are biblical that talk about there's power in the blood of the lamb well someone whose trauma involved a lot of blood um mm-hmm. And, and some who've been involved in religious r- rituals where there was a lot of blood as part of those rituals, mm-hmm. well, that can be a, a major trigger and they can go running out. And again, the assumptions made that, oh, there must be something demonic here when mm-hmm. it, it's a flashback, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's someone's trauma being triggered. So I think we have to be really careful to not make those assumptions or to understand that that mental illness can take you know, different forms and that um, that's something that is not understood isn't necessarily demonic. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word. What, what would you say is at stake if ministry leaders do not become more informed about trauma? Well, doing the kind of harm that we were talking about, those kinds of things, you know, the pastors that, that talked to me, yeah. You know, um, you know about this about this mother. We're really doing her further harm. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are running out of the service upset because they've been tr- triggered by trauma. Either their pastor or leaders or other Christians are doing them more harm if they kind of keep on to that some mm-hmm. some spiritual abuse. Basically, that's what it becomes is adding spiritual abuse to trauma that's already there, um, and. And unfortunately, um, often spiritual abuse happens with people who are very well intentioned. Mm-hmm. They they are not. They are thinking they are helping this person, yeah, and are are very unaware that they're actually doing damage. So that's really what we don't want to see happen, right? Mm-hmm. Especially those of us who want to help people. The last thing we want to do is cause further harm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that has to be kind of the first rule is do no harm, do no right. further harm for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and often if people are not trauma informed, then they just, they don't even realize they're doing harm. Someone may just disappear from their congregation and they might be, oh, well, you know, 
I guess, whatever, we'll just go on with life and they may never know. Yeah. Or if, if the, the person who's upset tries to address it, which is really difficult, especially if there's a power differential, as you mentioned before, and they're not understood, then that becomes even more difficult mm-hmm. for them. If they're not heard or they, you know, victim blaming helps. Yep. But, you know, it's just heaps uh, things on more. Okay. So tell us how can pastors and other ministry leaders become more aware, more informed about this? Well, there is a lot more out there than there used to be on trauma. That's the good news. Mm-hmm. And, and more resources, even Christian resources. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, finding, you know, reading books. I mean, my, my book on complex trauma, Restoring the Shattered Self, a Christian Counselor's Guide to Complex Trauma. Mm-hmm. That's what I mentioned that I, I wrote in a way that doesn't use a lot of psychological psychologies the mm-hmm. counseling ease. I mean I do explain concepts um, but a lot of pastors have told me that they have found that really helpful not that they are going to you know be the counselor right. long term for these people but in understanding the process it helps them know more what they can do as a congregation and I do have a, a chapter in that book called how the church can help with awesome. specific guidelines for pastors and churches and of, of how to implement, you know, mm-hmm. more trauma-informed kind of policies and trainings and so on. Um, there's a, another book that I've co-edited called, uh, with my husband, called Treating Trauma and Christian Counseling. Again, that's primarily for um, counselors, but it can really help. It's biblically integrated. It can help pastors understand a whole lot of different varieties of trauma, everything from natural disasters to to trauma in developing worlds, trauma in missionaries, to war trauma, to um, survivors of child abuse, um, clergy abuse. So we tried to cover almost every type of trauma we could think of at the time. And that can be really helpful for, for pastors to see, oh, there are there's a different healing process or different things that are helpful for different types of trauma. And again, even if they're not going to be the ones doing all the counseling, can help them refer to mental health professionals that have specializations in right. in each of these areas. Uh, and then there are, um, well, I just mentioned to you, Anne, before the podcast started, mm-hmm. that my new job at Tacoa Falls College School of Graduate Studies involves developing a five-course trauma certificate. Yeah. And that is intended both for licensed professionals and students studying counseling or marriage and family therapy, but our, my intention is also to make it um, a, a program that that pastors or or lay counselors could really benefit from to help them become more trauma informed. You know that particular program is asynchronous online, so it means that anyone anywhere um, can can take either the whole program or even one or two courses if if someone's interested in one or two. If someone has an undergraduate degree they can apply um, to that program. Then uh, the American Association of Christian Counselors, AACC, has um, a lot of like recorded webinars or they have courses that are, are packaged uh, and they have um, actually this fairly new one that they're doing specifically for um, pastors with pastors and churches in mind. 
on trauma-informed care. So there are already, um, just in the last couple of months, um, a set of courses that are that are available now. I'm going to be recording three more courses for them, Good. Uh, as you know, as well in the new year. But um, check out the offerings that AUCC has because they offer resources not just for professional counselors, but also for lay counselors, mm-hmm. um, coaches, and and pastors. So there's some good material there. Awesome. Uh, All of those things I will be linking in the show notes so that people can find them really easily. Is the program at TFC already up and running or is that something that's coming soon? It starts in January. January. Okay. So by the time this comes out, which would be mid-October, you'll have enough time to apply and get started in January. Right. Right? If you apply right away. That's great. Okay. So the first course is on assessment and treatment of PTSD. Okay. That's good. Okay. So if you're listening to this and you're a therapist and you feel like you need a little bit more of a background in trauma because you're seeing more of it come in your office, then that would be a good option for you. If you're a therapist and you haven't been integrating uh, your Christian faith in a way that uh, would would help you treat some of the, the Christian clients coming in your door, the AACC uh, offerings might also be helpful to you. But this episode in particular is going to really be geared for the pastors and ministry leaders. And anybody who is listening to this podcast knows someone who is in one of those roles. And so I want you to um, seek out those resources for yourself as, and share them with somebody that you know that is in a leadership p- position that might really be able to serve and love people well if they had this kind of uh, education and, and background under their belts. So right. I'm going to um, I just thank you for all of those resources, Heather. This You're has welcome. been really good. And I want to ask you the question that I ask all of my guests when we're wrapping up, which is, what are you, what are you doing for soul care? Well, for me, um, nature is really important. Mm-hmm. And when we move, made our move to Georgia, I told my husband, you know, I was more hesitant to leave Colorado because mm-hmm. I love Colorado and love the mountains and love the nature I said okay at least we're in a part of Georgia that's that's beautiful when I came out to visit the Dakota mm-hmm. Falls campus is is just really beautiful um, I said but I need to live someplace that that I can go for walks or preferably even from my house I feel like I'm in nature mm-hmm. and and I am I showed you a picture and yeah. recently we have over a hundred trees on our mm-hmm. property and we're on, uh, they call it a lake, but that's a stretch. It's a pond, pond. But, <laughs> but I get to see water mm-hmm. and, and my home office has been my back porch so far until the cold dries me indoors yeah. more. So for me, just being in that environment is both spiritually nurturing, nurturing and emotionally nurturing. Mm-hmm. The other really big thing for me is music. Um, mm. I'm, I'm a trained musician. And one of the things I have not found yet here in Georgia is a good sacred music choir. I like seeing classical um, sacred music, um, but of high caliber. Yeah. And I sang in a chamber choir and in a larger choir um, in Colorado for 14 years. Okay. And I really grieved leaving them. Yeah. Um, it was an interdenominational community choir, but 
you know, that had auditions for yeah. its membership. And, mm-hmm. and um, even when I was tired, my husband would sometimes say our rehearsals were Sunday afternoons for mm-hmm. like three hours for in both part. <laughs> and he's like, you're so tired. Like, you know, really, you're going to go to choir practice. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'd be thinking, oh, yeah, I'm so tired. I really don't feel like going to choir practice. But, you know, first song, as soon as I start to sing, it's like, this is why I'm here. Yeah. And come away from, from, uh, from singing spiritually refreshed, physically mm-hmm. refreshed, emotionally renewed and ready to face my week. Mm-hmm. So I think the important thing is um, for everyone to find out what replenishes them. Yes. You know, I know some of my students, when we talk about these things, you know, like to cook or bake. Well, that would not be soul care for me. <laughs> I, I don't mind it. I, I like to eat and I, I like <laughs> to cook, but that is just not something I would do yeah. for soul care. Yeah. Um, so we all have to kind of find out what, what, what feeds our, our souls. So for me, those two are the, are the biggest, yeah. the biggest things that are helpful for me. And I do think as you get to be, when you're a grown up, it's harder to find an ensemble that you can participate in, whether that's because of life demands or because there's just fewer opportunities for adults than for, for kids to play music together. I think that's been one of the grieving moments of my adult life too, that I don't get to play or sing anymore, except, you know, from the congregation, not from, (laughs) you know, and, um, but I do enjoy sometimes cooking there. There's this line between cooking cause you have to, cause people need to eat and cooking because it's a, an expression of creativity. Sure. Yeah. And I totally where... understand why for some people that would be self care, mm-hmm. but, but just don't try to make me do it. For my <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know? okay. And I think that's another thing, you know, that just kind of respect in general for anyone is mm-hmm. to, not impose any kind of process in terms of what can be good or healing, um, knowing that that's a very individual matter, just like healing from trauma is an individual matter. Um, what replenishes us just as, as even care providers, as, as helpers, is going to be very different. So I learned early on that getting up at four to read my Bible and pray just was not soul care for me, even though it was for some of my friends. I, I, I tried it for a while and it was like, no, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Good. So I have other ways of, yeah. of communicating and spending so time. You might have just freed someone up right there to be able to do <laughs> their time with Jesus at a different time in the day. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I wish I was there walking in those woods with you around your pond. Uh, it looks beautiful. And again, I thank you so much for being here and for sharing your wisdom and experience with us. And like I said to everyone, I will have uh, Heather's book as well as some other resources that she mentioned listed in the show notes. And again, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And But you can look me up on the Tacoa Falls College website okay. and look up the trauma programs and everything there. Perfect. Okay. See you next time. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.